Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not decked out like one of these. From the Sermon on the Mount. Hello everyone, I'm Rob McCall. This is the Almanaggio Almanac, devoted to feeling at home in nature and breaking down the wall of hostility between us and the rest of creation. This is the Almanac for September 2nd to 9th, 2022, first quarter of the harvest moon. And here are some natural events. As summer comes to an end, we turn ourselves over to the ministrations of memory, of seasons past, of years gone by, of a host of faces we see no more. We remember the fallen of September 11, 2001, and we remember the fallen of every month since, soldier and civilian, Christian and Muslim, young and old. Here's a field and forest report. Walking through the late summer fields, we also remember from seasons past the evocative names of wildflowers now now in bloom. It's surprising to discover how many of them are cousins in one big family called the asters, A-S-T-E-R-S. Black-eyed Susan, several varieties of yellow and orange hawkweed, tansy, pineapple weed, Jerusalem artichoke, fleabane, burdock, chicory, pearly everlasting, many of the different goldenrods, and of course all the familiar asters of white, pink, and purple that are coming on now. Also the common dandelion, sunflower, daisy, echinacea, and even the reviled ragweed are all members of this large and remarkable family. They all share a circular central eye of many small florets arranged in a spiral surrounded by petals in multiples of five. Do check out The Plants of Acadia National Park by Middlehauser, Gregory Rooney, and Weber, University of Maine Press, 2010. I've never seen a better guide to plants from our area. It's a pleasure to read. And now I can't look anywhere without seeing an aster in bud or bloom or going to seed. It's a new level of seeing, discovering unseen connections that were there all along. And here's a rank opinion. So it is with the connection between wars and economic hardship. It was there all along. We've been fighting a war on terror now for over 20 years. We've lost thousands of soldiers, more thousands of civilians on all sides. When the war on terror started, the economy was humming. We enjoyed a budget surplus. 
Now the politicians and pundits are screaming about the national debt. The war on terror has cost, according to Brown University's Costs of War report, as much as $4 trillion. Other estimates run to $5 trillion. And much of that has been wasted or siphoned off by corrupt contractors and puppet governments. The results of two decades of mayhem and massacre are two countries in a shambles and America in the hands of our own homegrown oligarchs. Who among us save the military brass, contractors, and profiteers can say that they are better off before the so-called war on terror? Not the families of the thousands killed or injured. Not the millions who have fallen out of the middle class. Not the children of the poor who cannot get clean water and a good education. Not the children of the middle class who cannot afford to go to college. We have spent their birthright for a mess of pottage. Where have all the flowers gone? When will we ever learn? Ask the presidential candidates about that. Finally, a seed pod for you to carry around with you from the Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu, 500 BC. He who knows how to guide a ruler in the way does not try to override the world with force of arms. It is in the nature of military weapons to turn against their wielders. Wherever armies are stationed, thorn bushes grow. After a great war, bad years invariably follow. You must not feel proud. You must rather regret that you were not able to prevent war. Well, that's the almanac for this quarter moon, but don't take it from me. Go out and see for yourself. <laughs>